Tonight, the uh, message title of it is called Follow Me, uh, taken from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. You got your Bibles. Pastor Mike this week asked me, what books do I want to reference uh, from my studies this, you know, for preparing for this, this meeting? And I, I felt bad after I texted him back. I said, it was, uh, just the Bible, and, and I saw one of, you know, I got some stuff out of one other book. And I, and I got thinking after that, he's going to think I hadn't even studied none this year for it. And that's not true. Uh, I told him when we met, what was it, yesterday? We met yesterday. And I said, since last year, my messages have been I'm trying to, you know, has been focusing on, you know, how do I, you know, I've, I've been squeezing holiness out of, out of my Sunday morning messages. I'm in Matthew, the book of Matthew on Sundays, uh, on Sunday mornings, and uh, we've been stuck. I hate to use that word. That's Kind of, it sounds kind of derogatory, but we've been we've been uh, patiently walking through uh, the the prayer in Matthew chapter six, um, the prayer of Christ, the the Lord's prayer, uh, which is a lot of people call it, and uh, and I'm at the I'm at the spot where he says, "Thy will be done." And I don't know, I couldn't tell you how many sermons have I done on that, five maybe, uh, and I tell him I don't have a set schedule. It's just whenever the Lord moves me to go on, I'll go on. And uh, they're like, well, we, well how, do, how do we tell the Lord to let you go on? Yeah. But, uh, but I, I'm on that, and I, and, and I was telling them, you know, actively, you know, thy will be done, Lord. We, we know that. But how do we passively, how can we passively say thy will be done? And, and, and explaining it, and, I'm, and I was telling them in, in, my, in my sermon, uh, that's like the, the best example I could give you uh, of passive, of that being uh, shown in the Bible is Christ at the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Thine will be done. When he, when he said, Lord, this, this cup that you're, you've given me, if you can remove it, that'd be great, but nevertheless, your will be done. He, that cup was the cup of wrath. It was, was sin that he was going to, to take and the wrath of, of that sin. So, and I was telling him, I said, sometimes we have to passively tell God, Thy will be done. We don't want it. I, we don't want the C word. We don't want bad health. We don't want a, a wayward child. But some, sometimes we have to endure that because that's Thy will. You know, and, and I'm not, I don't know why I'm getting on this, but Lord wants me to, wants me to say it, of course, uh, from what I understand, uh, trying to be led by Him. But... We have, to, we have to follow God's will. And, and I'm, I explain, I'm, I'm going thoroughly as I can to explain uh, these parts of the Lord's Prayer so that, you can un, you know, so that my congregation can understand exactly. Look, you don't just pray this prayer and think, well, you know, it's a nice nursery rhyme, uh, you know, or, or it's just something that we practice or something, you know, Lord, your will be done. You, you, you want to know what it means when you say it. You best know what it means when you say it. You best have the heart of wanting thy will be done. And the older we get, the more we realize that we're better off in the center of his will. Even if it means enduring. Even if it means suffering, we're still better off in his will than we would be if we had no problems and all of life's uh, gifts are bestowed upon us. We're still better off in his will through suffering than out of his will with nothing going on, uh, on uh, as far as on the bad side. With that, what I was uh, thinking
taken a long way around to get to was I try to find holiness in, in my messages on Sunday morning. Uh, who but someone that's living a holy life can, can actually pray that prayer? Who can say, Lord, thy will be done, whether it be good or whether it be bad, whether it be sunshine or rain, whether it be uh, riches uh, bestowed upon me or whether it be uh, uh, your wrath come down for whatever reason. Who, who could but somebody holy really pray that prayer and expect God's will to be done regardless what it is? In our perfect example, Christ, he did that. He, he, he not only explained that prayer, or he not only gave that prayer to uh, those on the mount, he lived it. He lived it. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he, he did more than just tell us the prayer. I'm glad we see the examples of, those, of that prayer in his life. Now, back to your regularly scheduled program. Um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Let me read down to the, um, to the end here. Says, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his father and his angels with his angels and then he shall reward every man according to his works verily I say unto you there be some standing here which shall not taste of, the de of death till they see the son of man coming in his kingdom let's pray father I need your strength this evening I need your encouragement father but most of, most of all Lord I I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon me. I pray, Father, that his, his will would be done in this service tonight. I pray, Father, that the people's minds and hearts would be open to receiving your word this evening, Father. Give us what we stand in need of. Help as only you can, Father. I do pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I'll say this, and then I'll get to my, my message. If you come looking for something... You'll find it. Not because I'm such a great speaker. I know I'm not. But because the Holy Spirit will give you something out of... I mean, there's always something good that comes out of anyone speaking uh, behind the pulpit, mostly. Uh, and if you're looking for something, you'll get it. If you're not looking, this is, you, you might as well went home. Because you, you're not going to get something. But if you're looking for something from God, you'll get it tonight. Now, after reading these verses here, if our Lord had a catchphrase, I, I think that the one I used for the title here, Follow Me, I think that would be a, one of his catchphrases that he used. Um, it's written 19 times in our King James Bible. Follow me. Follow me. Uh, he says it five times in the book of Matthew. He says it four times, or excuse me, three times in the book of Mark, uh, four times in the book of Luke, and six times in the book of John. Something I want you to, uh, to kind of notice about this statement is uh, it seems kind of simple at first. You know, it's just a, just a simple statement that he says, and I guess, I guess in one sense it is simple. Follow me. Uh, I mean, how hard could it be to follow someone? You know, as children, babes, and toddlers, we follow our parents hand in hand. We, we follow them. 
whether it be uh, uh, inside the house or uh, in a grocery store or in the, the, day, the nursery up there or wherever it may be, we, we follow them. It's just natural to follow. Then we become teenagers and we, uh, we get friends and we follow them. We start, we start acting like they do. We start following them in, in how they dress. Lord forbid. We, uh, we start following them in uh, uh, what music they listen to. We start following them and where they like to hang out. And even we pick up on what they, how they speak, those words. I don't even know anything, any of the words nowadays, but, you know, like, uh, whoa, heavy or whatever, you know, used to be back in the day. You know. who, who is that, Michael J. Fox? That's heavy, you know. Some of y'all don't even know who that is, but that, that's all right. But then as adults, uh, you know, in churches, a lot, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll find some, uh, we'll have a click with certain uh, other adults in the church, and we, we, like to hang out with them because they either like the same kind of sports we like or the, the, even the same team that we like or they like the, the team that we don't like so we like to pick and joke and cut up with them uh, or they, uh, they like to go to the uh, same places to hang out that we do or whatever it may be, same, you know, politics, whatever it might be. We, we follow people. It's natural for, uh, for mankind to follow people, follow each other. It's just natural in that, in that as aspect. But what, what is it what does it mean, or what does it mean for the Christian to follow Jesus? That's what I, I want to kind of get to this evening. Well, what, what was Christ getting at when he spoke to Matthew at his workplace and said, follow me? He went by where he was working at and just said, said follow me. He went to Peter and Andrew's place of, place of business and said, follow me. What do you mean by that when he, when he told those two, uh, those two guys that? Uh, and I'm not sure what Philip was up to. I'm guessing it was during the day, so I guess he was probably working. I don't say what he was doing. But Christ walked by and said, follow me. What was Christ getting at when he, when he asked these guys to follow him? These few times that the Lord said this to someone, he meant for them to become a disciple. He meant for them to, to follow him in, in learning, personally learning at his side to become a disciple, become a teacher. That's what he meant with these guys here. It was a... It was a kind of a closed deal, a closed fellowship uh, to where uh, he was training them for a special purpose, right, to be a, an actual personal disciple of him. That's what, he, that's what he's getting at with that. Um, and to be honest, uh, it was good for them that they quit their day jobs to, to go work for him, or excuse me, to, to become his disciple. It was good that they'd done that. It's good for anyone, these guys here, wanting to, to, to be in the ministry. Uh, that's good. It's good for young men, good for older men, Brother Tommy, Brother, uh, Brother Eddie, uh, seasoned men like myself, to be, uh, to, to be in the ministry. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But he doesn't ask everyone to be in that type to, or to follow him in that way, rather. That's not, that's not something he asks everybody. Uh, he... Uh, it's good that he doesn't ask everybody because not everybody could do it. Not everybody, there wouldn't be a place for everybody to do it either, all right, to, to be that type of follower. But we also see it other times when he, he tells someone to follow him. Uh, in those in instances, uh, he means something totally different. Just like here in this verse here, let me read it again, uh, uh, Matthew 16, 24. It says, Then said Jesus to his disciples, If any man will come unto me, let him deny himself, Take up his cross and follow me. I didn't mark it, but he's, this, uh, 
this instance is also in Mark. But he says something, uh, it's a little bit different in Mark. Uh, he has a group of people that he, he says, hey, y'all, come here. Y'all come, come in. Come in a little bit. He has his disciples right there at his side, but there's some others standing around. He says, y'all come here. And he says this right here. If any man will follow me, or if, if any man will come after me, he said, let him deny himself. Take, take up his cross and follow me. He wasn't just saying it to one or two of the disciples. He was saying it to a group of people that was not follow, most likely was not following him at the time. He opened it up, is what I'm saying. Not, not for them to be personally trained by him, but to follow him. To actually become a disciple. You, you and I are disciples tonight. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, you are a disciple of Christ. You may not be uh, a, a, a called out to be a, a full-time ministry. You may not be called to preach. But you're a disciple of Christ. But he means something different here. That, that term or that, that little phrase there, to follow me, means to cleave. Here in, here in this verse, it means to cleave steadfastly to one. To conform wholly to his example. In living and if need be, in dying. What I'm trying to convey is that he, he opened this up, this, his disciple program, to anyone who is willing to follow him. So that's what this means right here when he says, follow me. To break, to break this, verse, this phrase down, we're to conform in our living and conform in our dying to Christ. To conform. Now tonight, I want us to fully understand what our Lord's getting at in these, this verse right here. All right, I, I want us to, to know this verse when we, when we leave. I want, I want us to know exactly what he's saying. And I've got three points I want to share with you tonight. And let's go ahead and get, get started with it. First point I've got is desire. Desire. You've got to have a desire. I'm breaking this one verse down, all right? So under that, this phrase of the verse, if any man will come after me. Desire. If any man will come after me. You've got to have a desire if you're going to follow somebody. Uh, how, did, how, how, did, how did Trump have the amount of people he had following him? They had a desire. He, he had the influence, and people desired to follow him. Uh, just like any other leader. But you've got to have a desire. Desire means a deep longing or wish for something. A deep longing or a wish for something. Uh, man, you had a desire for your wife when you were dating. Did you not? Uh, you thought about her quite a bit. You probably wrote her poetry letters and, uh, and, and poems and stuff. Uh, don't raise your hand. Men, uh, if you did that, I, I don't, those are private. I don't know if I, I wrote letters, but I don't think I wrote any poems, did I, Alicia? Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't think I did. But you wanted to let her know how you felt for her. You had a, a desire to be with her. You, you desired her. You desired her. And ladies, you di desired him. Then there's also certain fields of employment where uh, you, you may desire a job. You, you desire to, to maybe uh, step up in the job, get a better promotion. That desire can be a good thing. That desire is not always a bad thing. We, we hear Hollywood makes desire always uh, desire uh, lustful, uh, desire in a bad sense. But desires uh, to, to move up in the, in the office, 
to move up in your position at work is a good thing if you go the right way of doing it. If you're stepping on people, it's not, it's not the right way of doing it. But, if, but that desire is good. It's, there's nothing perverted about it, nothing unnatural. So to follow Christ is to have a sincere desire to belong to him. Listen to what Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 6 says. This is part of the Beatitudes here. Uh, Christ said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now this is a direct decision to follow Christ. To, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. You, you, you want to follow him. It's a desire. Uh, this isn't your parents pushing you into following him. This isn't your parents uh, telling you, you better get up and go to church, son. Or you better get up and go to church, young lady. Uh, look, we, our parents can't, can't make us desire Christ. Our parents can't make us desire or, or, or want to follow him or, or be a good Christian or a good person. We've we got to have that desire on our own. We can't, we, we can't get that... We can uh, give the example as parents, but we can't give it to our children. Just like what we read in Matthew chapter 5, there's got to be a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. Jesus Christ has got to be someone that you can't live without. That's desire. That's a hunger and thirst. Uh, uh, he's got to be someone that you think upon often. N now... We're talking about holy living here. This, this is what the conference is about. I want you to not just, just listen to what I'm saying, but apply what I'm saying to you right now. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm saying these things, when I'm saying that's what desire means, that's what hungering and thirsting uh, is, think to yourself, am I actively hungering and thirsting after the things of God and after God himself? Uh, think these things. Uh, I, I want you to see where you're at on your spiritual uh, indicator, okay? I want you to see if whether or not you're close to God, if you're running with Him, or if you're walking with Him, or if you've distanced yourself with Him, okay? That's what this part of this, uh, this holiness conference is about, is to, to find out where we're at, and then if there's a problem, fix it. But He's got to be someone that you have deep feelings for. You, you, man, you have deep feelings for your wife, uh, some of you may joke and say, no, not really. Well, you let one, uh, some other guy start uh, being sweet on her. See if you have deep feelings or not. You'll see right quick you got some feelings. You, 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 you'll see right quick you got feelings you didn't know you had. But you've got to have deep feelings for the Lord. Uh, you've got to have a desire to follow him. Or you will not last very long. Everybody here has instilled within themselves a desire to satisfy hunger with food. You have, uh, you have instilled in yourself, or, or you're instilled with the fact that, that uh, you uh, satisfy thirst with liquid, some sort of liquid. But to have a hunger and thirst after righteousness is to have a desire for God and the things of God. How is that desire tonight? How well uh, uh, are you realizing that you're hungry and thirsty for the things of God? There have been seasons in my life to where... Uh, Sunday mornings was a dread. I, 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 you're kidding, Brother Matthew. No, it's true. It's true. There have been seasons in my life to where I, I didn't want to get up and go to church. Where was my hunger at then? What, have I, what, what was I feeding in my life then? Was I feeding my spiritual life or was I feeding my flesh at that moment? My flesh. We've got to have a hunger and thirst after the things of God. We've got to have, it's, a, it's a desire to be close to God. It's a desire to be near. Look, you, 
Some of you have to remember way back when you first got saved, but you remember when you first got saved, you, you was giddy. You know, you, you wanted to be around the, the people at the church. When they, when they said we needed some volunteers to do some painting, your hand went up. Work needed to be done. You was there. You, yeah, I got it. We'll do it. You remember those days? You, you, like I said, you was giddy to, to, just be, to just be around the things of God. That, that you just was happy to just be inside the church house because it was God's church house. How does it feel for you tonight when you walked in? Did you get a little tingle? I, look, I'm, I love everybody here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean or nothing like that. I, I'm, I'm just, I want to be a help tonight. If we've lost our desire, if we've lost our desire to, to, for the things of God, if we've, if we've lost our desire for God's Word, we need to get it back. The reason is the society doesn't have much respect for the things of God. Have you noticed that? Uh, have you ever walked out in the parking lot, seen trash sitting there, and you know it wasn't blowed in? People just dropped it off. But we, 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 at our church, there's a complex right behind the church, and there's a, a shopping center right across the street. So they use our place as a little cut through. And I'm always picking up beer bottles, beer cans, trash of all kinds. I'm like, those are no good people. You know, you know how you get in the flesh sometimes. And I got to thinking, they had no respect for the things of God because they had no respect for the people of God because the people of God have not given them reason to respect the things of God. I'm preaching to myself. How many people have we influenced for God just by how we react to situations? How we act on a normal day-to-day -day basis? How many people have we influenced? I said, man, there's something about that person. The people that we work with. What do they say about us? You say, brother, you just, you want us to be kooky Christians. Carrying a Bible everywhere we go. No, I just want us to be genuine. I want us to be genuine. We've got to have a desire. I put this down, the statement down. I said, it's, it is indeed possible to be transformed in the heart, but not yet be cleansed by the renewing of our mind. The reason why, because the renewing of the mind is a lifelong process. That's part of sanctification. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Matthew? It's possible for us to be saved and not act like we're saved. Uh, but the problem is, a lot of Christians never get that transition just right. They, they act like the world a lot longer than they should be. They're, they're, uh, if, a, if a baby's not growing properly, something's wrong, Right? There should be, you know, you should expect something that from zero to three months, three to six, six to nine, nine to twelve, then one to two, two to three, three to sixteen, you know. There should be progress. That's the word I'm looking for. Well, there should be progress in the Christian life. Now, each Christian's going to have a different speed of maturity, but all Christians should be in the process of sanctification. 
That's not being saved. That's, that's the process of, of becoming holy, so to speak. And the problem is that we've not lost the appetite for the things of the world. The only, the only way to lose that appetite is to replace it. You know, they, they say replace bad habits with good habits. Well, we replace the bad appetite with a good appetite. A bad desire with a good desire. Well, what's our desire? What, what should be our desire? The things of God. Well, that's just boring. It's gotten that way with a lot of Christians. And I'll say this. I blame the pulpit for that. I think the pastors behind the pulpits of America need to do a better job. I think some of them need to get out of the pulpit. I think, I think it starts here and works its way down. Now, now the pastor here, there should be continual growth because he's feeding you out of the Word of God. And that's how we get our desire. But our desire for God and his righteousness should make man's addiction uh, uh, of, of whatever bad desires that we have be microscopic compared to our desire to conform like Christ, which is our end result. Look, if you don't want to be like Christ, when you get to heaven, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. This evening, how much do you desire the things of God in your life? Ask yourself that question. How much do you desire the things of God? How much do you desire to follow Him? How many days can you go without speaking to him or reading his word? These questions aren't, I'm not asking them to, to make you angry. Please don't, don't misjudge what I'm trying to do. I, I just want you to think. I want you, to, I, want you to, to see, I want you to see yourself as you really are. And if there's a change, if there's something there that you don't like, then that's, that's how we fix it. If we don't see that we're we have a problem, then we'll never fix it. Number two is deny. Deny. Christ said, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yet, yea, doubtless, uh, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Here, Paul was speaking to the church at Philippi, and he was listing a, a, thing, a, a whole line of things, of great things that he uh, had made, and made for himself, done for himself, uh, how he was such a great Jew at one time. He was listing all these things. He says he was circumcised the eighth day. Uh, he was of the stock of, uh, of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, blameless. But then he says in this verse that I just read, all of these things that made him such a great Jewish Pharisee were things that did not mean a hill of beans when it came to following Christ. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost, worthless. All these things mean nothing to me now, he says. Why is that? Because as our Lord stated in this text verse, 
Matthew 16, 24, if you want to follow him, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny yourself. Tonight, your title at work does not mean a hill of beans to the Lord. You can be the president of the United States and it does not mean a hill of beans to the Lord. All these titles are worthless. The, the Dictionary of Bible Themes says this about self-denial. Let me give this to you. The willingness to deny oneself possessions or status in order to grow in holiness and commitment to God. That word commitment. As a Christian, denying ourselves should be of whatever it may be. I, I don't know what for you it is. I don't know what it is. I know what it is for me. There's some things I've always wanted to do or wanted to go or wanted to, to get involved in. Uh, but as a Christian, I can't do it. As a pastor, I I'm not, I'm not, don't have the time to do it. And so I gave that up. And if God, somewhere down the future, decides to bless me with something, a desire that I've had, then that's fine. I'll take it. But I've given it up. I, I've told God, look, you've got other plans for me. And I'd rather be in your will than in mine. So I'll deny those things. That's what we have to do. We have to deny ourselves. Uh, look, uh, you, may not, you may not be the top dog at work, but God may not want you being top dog. You may not be the, uh, uh, over the largest church in the nation, but God may not want you there. Don't, don't desire what God hasn't given you when you know he hasn't given you it for a reason, so to speak. Let it go. I told my wife she, she can desire another husband all she wants, but as long as I'm alive, she's stuck with me. She needs to just let that go. But we've got to deny these things with ourselves. Look, Paul said, he told the Galatian church in chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 24, he says, And they that are, that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. They that are Christ. Our desires are to be God-centered. You know, why, most of the reasons why we don't have those desires fulfilled, or we shouldn't, because they're not God-centered. Look, if, if, if we're working extra hard to, to get that position at work or that promotion at work, and it's causing us to miss church, it's causing us not to be able to, to do uh, uh, the things that God's already had for us planned to do, then maybe we shouldn't be uh, reaching for it. There's nothing wrong with, uh, with having money, from what I hear. There's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing wrong with making money. As long as it doesn't interfere with your worship of God, your uh, commitment to God, and your desire for God, as long as it's not keeping you from the things of God, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're desiring to have something in your life, and if you were to get it, think with me, if you, if you were to get it, Say a bass boat. I always tell my wife I'm saving up for a bass boat. I don't care nothing more about fishing. I don't care nothing about being out on a lake either. I ain't a good swimmer. I dog paddle, that's about it. I always tell her, the, you know, if I come into anything, I'm getting me a bass boat. If, if me and if you are saving up, or ladies nowadays, I can't discriminate. If you're saving up for a bass boat, and you know once you get that thing, you're going to be out on the lake on Sundays instead of in church, Maybe you ought not get that bass boat. 
And you know what we always hear? What, what, what do those guys always tell us? I can worship the Lord out on the lake. Yeah, but how many of you take your Bibles to the lake out on Sunday? I never see that happen. You, you might can, but you don't. The only praying you do is that you catch a fish. We've got to deny ourselves some pleasure. We've got to deny ourselves what we want in life. You know, the, I love one of my favorite stories, uh, movies of all time. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. He, he wanted what he wanted to do, didn't he? he? I want what I want. I want to go where I want to go. I mean, that's, that was his desire. That's what he wanted. But he denied those things for others, didn't he? Sometimes we've got to deny ourselves those things in order to follow Christ. Look, when you have your eternal mind working right, your eternal vision working just right, you can see the importance of eternity ahead. And these, these temporal things just start fading in the distance of importance. It's like, you know, as a teenager, I wanted a, 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 a 67 Cobra, you know, this fast car or whatever. You know, nowadays, I could care less about it. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have a need for speed. I, I don't speed anymore. It, it changes when you get four children, you know. But those temporal things just, just fade away when you, when you get your eternal vision just right. That's what we need in our lives. We need that, that, that vision checked and adjusted to see what's important. And that's on the other side of glory. So we're, we're here just for a little while. Our home is over on the other side. It's in heaven. That's what we're preparing for. Then number three is decide. First, you've got to have a desire to belong to Christ. You've got to deny yourself. And then you've got to decide. He says, and take up his cross and follow me. You've got to make that decision. Pastor Mike, you can't make that decision for anybody in your family. You can't make that decision for anybody in the church. I would, you know, I tell my church congregation, I say, I wish I could make the decision for you to live for Christ, because every one of you would be doing it. I wish I could make the decision that you'd read your Bible every day and pray, but I can't do it. I wish I could make the decision that you'd come back on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I told Preacher Mike, I said, I don't know how we do it, but there's, I couldn't tell you how many times we have more on Sunday night than we all do on Sunday morning. This is not heard of in the Baptist church. I, st I have to go out there and look at the sign, make sure I'm at the right, you know, it is Baptist. And I get more people on Sunday night than I do Sunday morning. I don't know where they come from. I have no idea. But, hey, I'll take it. But we've got to make a decision. He says, take up your cross and follow me. This is something that you and I have to actively make. You know, that, that decision, uh, salvation is once in one-time thing, decision. All right? That's, that's, that's the decision we make. But to follow him, to actually take, actively take up our cross, and it escapes my memory now, but uh, I believe it was Paul said that we daily take up our cross. That's something we have to actively incorporate in our lives daily. We, we start in the mornings when we get up. I, I remember uh, listening to Denzel Washington give a speech. He says, at nighttime you take your your slippers, and you put them underneath your bed as far in as you can reach. 
So that way, every morning when you get up, you have to get down on your knees. And I thought, that's pretty good. We have to actively make that conscious decision every morning when we get up that we're going to be Christ-focused and Christ-centered in our lives. We can't say, well, I said it when I was 10 years old, uh, when I was down at the altar, and it should be good till I die. We've got to actively, look, there are days that I get up and I want to just, you know, moonwalk out of the bed because I'm just in such a great mood, uh, uh, spiritually speaking. Then there's other days. It's like, God who? <laughs> I mean, am I the only one like that? No, I mean, you know, there are days I've got to force myself to get up and, and grab my coffee and go get get my Bible and get my, my devotion book and, and, and read and, and pray and, and just get along with God. But I've got, we've got to make that conscious decision. We've got to make it. You've got to decide whether or not you really want to take up his cross or do you want to still continue to play church. I played church before. I've done that. The late Warren Wiersbe said this about the cross and what it identifies in us. He says, quote, to take up the cross does not mean to carry burdens or have problems. To take up the cross means to identify with Christ in his rejection, in his shame, in his suffering, and death. End quote. Listen to what Paul tells the churches in Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, he says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to him, to himself, by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Hence, don't, don't overlook that, the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Remember that one. Right? To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There's that word again. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead to uh, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Today, if you've taken up your cross and followed Christ, then you are a new creature. Amen to that. I don't know how you could do it. I do too. But the, even at, at a young age, I'm, I'm humili humiliated by just thinking about some of the things, the sins that I've committed, even as a child. I'm embarrassed if anybody knew some of them. Thank God I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. Hey, thank God that, that you don't look at that no more, Lord. Thank you. You don't see that no more. Old things are passed away. Our old life has been, been buried. That's what Paul is speaking of over in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Not, not overtaken, but destroyed. Not put away, destroyed, demolished. that henceforth we should not serve sin. The new life is the life you now have in Christ if you're saved. 
you have fellowship with the Father because uh, we have been reconciled with Christ, with Him by Christ, through Christ. Our walk with Christ, hence, following Him, consists of the ministry of reconciliation. What's this? This is this is uh, telling others about Christ. Hey, you, you know, fellas, you know people that your pastor don't know. And you're an influence to people that he can't be an influence to. And so your ministry and reconciliation is showing them Christ. Well, what's the ministry of reconciliation? That's bringing two parties together and, getting, and, and them making friends again, right? Becoming, becoming friends. Well, what happened with us when we came to Christ? He brought us to the Father. Because we had a broken fellowship with him, didn't we? That's our jobs. That's our ministry now. You, you say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, a, I'm not in the full-time ministry. But if you're a Christian, you're, you have that ministry of reconciliation. That is part of your duty as a Christian is to reconcile, reconciliation with others. So, look, there are many, many people out there that I don't know that you do. And you're, look, I've always heard growing up, if you don't, if it's not you that witnessed that person and they go to hell, it's on you. That's a lie. It's on them. Okay? But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Our job is to let those other people know. Hey, who let you know about Christ? Who told you? For me, it was my brother. That's a debt I could, I could never repay. For him, there's a guy named Bant Simpson. Anybody know Bant Simpson? I wouldn't think so. He was a TV repairman. He run a bus route for Deep River Baptist in High Point. And he invited my brother's friend to go to church. Got him going. And my brother's friend got my brother going to church. Vance Simpson told him about the Lord and led him through, uh, led him to Christ. People we don't even know helped, ended up helping us to get saved. Who is it? Who is it that you know? Better yet, who is it that you know that doesn't know that you're a Christian? Is there someone like that? God forbid. Brother Matthew, why do you got to bring this up? Because we've got this one life to live here on this earth. We've got one life to make a difference. We've got one life to show this world how good our Savior really is. We spend too much time talking about what the world's talking about instead of what the Bible's talking about. We spend way too much time on social things that don't mean a hill of beans instead of telling someone how they can escape hell. Hey, Brother Matthew, I, we, don't need to, we don't need to hear that. We hear that all the time. We need to hear it until it clicks. Preacher, you said, write down 
what you want to get out of this. And I didn't have, I gave my wife my pen, so I didn't have nothing to write it down, but I, I remembered it. I always coming unprepared. I remembered it. I said, Lord, give me a truth that hasn't clicked with me yet. Give me something that's eternal that is an aha moment. I got it now, Lord. I, that life-changing truth that I need to give me that, that push. I went with a friend to Gold's Gym one time, and he was maxing out on the barbells, I guess, bench pressing, you know. And he, he wasn't, he's about to, about to drop it on him, you know, about to do the, the bounce. And some guy, I didn't know where he came from, scared me to death. He, go, go, go. I mean, you're just, just pumping him up, you know. And, man, he got it, he got it up there. I would have scared me, too, to get it, you know, push it all the way up. From, scared me to death. But that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that, you got it. Why? Because I, I don't want to quit. I don't want to quit on God. I don't want to quit. I don't want to turn around. I don't want to be a John Mark. I want to be like Paul, for I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give me at that day, not unto me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. This evening, do you, are you joyfully waiting on the appearing of God? As a teenager, it's like, Lord, let me get my license first. Let me just get married first. It's always something that wants to keep us from enjoying our Christianity. Tonight, are you a follower of Christ? Or have you been playing church? Christ gave the invitation when he said, follow me. When he said, follow me, it echoed throughout every generation. And today he speaks to you. you say, well, brother, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I can tell you the time, the place. I, I've got it written down in my Bible. That's great. You're following him to eternity, but are you following him every day? He says, follow me. Follow me. You've got to decide to follow him. You've got to deny yourself. 